Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. So as we're kind of starting to get a pattern, I ended up uh, posting the... Or uploading and, and posting our last episode uh, earlier today. Um, so that went oh, cool. up. Um, and so it was kind of uh, not as timely or not as uh, time relevant as some of the other stuff. So that that's fine. Um, but it was just looking at some of the dates of everything when I was pushing stuff up there. It was like, oh, that's it was almost a month ago when we pushed up the uh, Money in the Bank review. And then just based off of recording <laughs> and then being in San Diego last week and then coming back and catching up on work this week, like that time flies. Like, so I'm, I'm pumping it out, but then it ends up being, a, uh, I just never get around <laughs> to actually being able to listen to it and edit it. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get back on track yeah. with that. Oh yeah, no, it'd be good. Uh, so I guess, I guess we could touch late on wrestling. Did you watch extreme rules? We haven't talked about, I don't think we have, uh, did you watch Extreme Rules? Unfortunately. Oh my god! To see, I listened to Cedric uh, Phillips' podcast uh-huh. today about it, and the most accurate thing to describe it is just this: <laughs> that pay per view was just extreme trash. Yep. <laughs> I, think, I think we just leave it at that. Oh my god! I mean, just uh- <laughs> like every every match was just uninteresting. The I mean, the highlight for me was. Um, I mean, was Braun throwing Kevin off the top of the steel cage, which by the way, like that's no longer like the steel cage that I grew up with, um, which, you know, was big blue solid steel bars and like you couldn't pin someone in a steel cage. Like you had to get up and over, but like now you can pin someone inside the steel cage or you can ask them to open the door. I don't know when that changed and when it changed to like chain link as opposed to actual like just steel bars. Um, the... Like I, I agree with their assessment of the Dolph uh, Seth match, um, where like even with Seth being up like what three one four one or something early on, like yeah. you, you could tell he was just going to get you know screwed over in the end, um, where it just made no sense for the kind of the super face in the match to um, to have that lead because you knew like it, it, it he wasn't going it wasn't going to be a blowout, um, and so there were. There was no yeah. way he was going to keep and hang on to it. Um, and I think those two were the only, like, highlights of the night. <laughs> I mean, everything else was just a mess, like the Oscar Carmella with Ellsworth oh. in a shark cage was ridiculous. Um, I don't understand the combination of people that interacted in the Naya-Alexa match and why everyone was there and how that all happened. Um, I like, I'm still trying to understand like how it was essentially like three on two and then the Alexa one. Um, I don't even remember <laughs> like some of the other like men's matches uh, and, and having literally like, and I, I understand the Jeff Hardy being injured, but then having like the setup and everything and having go out there and then Shinsuke just giving him the low blow and then pinning him right, like hitting with Kinshasa and pinning him right away. Like, like I understand like you need like a storyline to transition the belt, but that's just a waste of my time. So like I, yeah, I just don't even give a shit. Um, 
And so, I mean, there was, there was just a lot of that where it was just like most of these matches and it was, you know, less than half of them were extreme rules, which this was my first extreme rules since paying attention. Um, so I was under the impression <laughs> that they were all extreme rules or there was more variant on them. Um, but no. Um, and then I, I, obviously I don't even remember watching, uh, the Roman Reigns match. So I, I can't even tell you what happened there. Yeah. I, I figured because we pretty much feel the same about it and the consensus is pretty much the same across the board for all of it. No, regardless of where you go. Um, the, that pay-per-view just sucked. All the matches were even like the match, even the good matches, I'm using air quotes, um, weren't even that good. Um, it, it was just, the whole thing was just a mess and pretty much, it honestly reminded me of a late WCW pay-per-view, like mm-hmm. early 2000s WCW pay-per-view is what it reminded me of. Absolutely. Um, all it was missing was Judy Bagwell on a, all it was missing was Judy Bagwell on a pole. And <laughs> um, I mean, e- like even the du- I mean, even the dusty finish for the main event, um, I, none of it felt good and none of it felt like, and you're talking to somebody who fucking likes Seth Rollins uh, Seth Rollins super hot uh, right now. Uh, I like Dolph Ziggler. I like I like Drew McIntyre. Like you're talking to like I liked every single person in almost every single match, and I still did not give a fuck. I even like Alexa Bliss, and like I'm okay with Nia Jax, and I like Mickey James too, and I still just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I mean, similar to what they were saying. Like, in- it, the, the, Cedric's podcast. It was just like bad booking all around, like the entire night up yep. and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much, it's just extreme trash. Um, yeah. I, uh, speaking of that, um, I, uh, started, uh, watching new Japan. Okay. Um, because you tell anybody you watch wrestling and if they're in the know, they're like, Oh, do you watch new Japan? Yeah. And you're like, no, because it's a pain because you have to pay for it. So let me just say this. So my experience in New Japan, I watched about two thirds of the Okada uh, Kenny Omega match from the from Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, it the stream no streaming. Timed out twice. The match is like an hour and a half. It timed out and rebooted twice. The. Their user interface is terrible. There's no subtitles for any of the promos. Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll just sit there, they'll have a video package, and you're just sitting there like, okay. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And, um... How, you know, how are you streaming it, it this? Shows... Is this on a laptop or the Fire? Uh, this is on a Fire. Okay. Um, the, user, the user interface... As I said, like my uh, roommate, one of their friends uh, gave them a uh, uh, their login uh, for the price of that login for the for the subscription service. Uh, I'm like part part of the reason I haven't gotten into New Japan fo- before is a it's they've kind of make it difficult to watch. B I figured there would be no it's not English friendly, which is I'm, I mean. <laughs> Which is like it's not like super important, but it is like you know, you, you need an like on ramp to get into it. Like it, it doesn't. You're not yeah, looking to yeah. cater everything, but you need something where it's like 
I know if I start here, I can grow into learning more of it right. or being able to understand more of it as opposed to just being like, nope, this is what it is, you know, uh, like it or get off the train. Um, so get that. Now seeing they're using interface and the cost, the product that they, I think it's like $13 a month, 13 or 14. The user interface and streaming experience is so bad on the fire that I would, they have some fantastic matches and some really good wrestlers. Um, but until those things are like super fixed, I really like, like I in good conscience wouldn't be able to like completely recommend it to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, like the wrestling's fantastic, but like what's good is the wrestling when you can kind of guess who's the heel in the face. Yeah. Or you don't understand the more intricate relationships. Like, why is that dude? Well, are, are both of them? Is that one dude? A, is that one dude a heel? Is the one dude a face? I actually watched a match with a. I just so the G one's happening, which is supposed to be like a really big thing, and um, I watched a match with Mike Elgin and three Japanese guys. Okay, and uh, <laughs> uh, Mike Elgin is arguably. That is, it's funny is I, everybody goes, watch New Japan, watch New Japan. Some of the worst wrestling I saw was in that match. Like, it wasn't. And when I say like, so for me, it's like, it doesn't necessarily matter if like the wrestling, the wrestling is like super technically sound, as long as it's exciting. Yeah. And that match was so boring. That like. You know, I still think it was like a 10 minute match. And I mean, and that's it was the, just like that's the problem I have with most of the WWE stuff is like I it's just unexciting in every aspect of it. Um, and I mean, that's what I've been been told too, as far as from the New Japan side, um, that the, the wrestling is just more technically sound and you don't really need like 100 percent context to be able to jump in and say like, yeah, this is like this is going to be a good match or this is a better match or something like that. Um, but it's if you have a shitty streaming experience, obviously, it's going to be tough to yeah. kind of stick your head yeah. in there. I will say this when it comes down to for New Japan. Um, is that of course, like I'm watching like B block right now. Um, I guess there's like three blocks and it's like a tournament thing. Uh, B block. I obviously looks like the fuck mid card central. Um, and it kind of watches like that. I think that I was actually just before I got started, I don't think I'll ever be able to watch in a, a, in a, uh, Okada match till com to completion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I can tell you just from the, Three minutes I watched of that match, there was a lot more, um, like he had a lot of personality and it really showed. And that's like something that you obviously don't need to understand to, you know, understand his character because like that presentation so good. Mm -hmm. Like the he came out with like shot, shot off some balloon, you know, let some balloons fly around the, the stadium and then went to hand one to an announcer and then beat him in the head with the other balloon that he had. Like, <laughs> Right. Like, and I was sitting there, I was like, okay. I'm like, all right. Like, I know he's, I know what he's about. I know the kind of like cocky, arrogant he is. And like, I am like, I am invested in this already because like low key, you know, they're not going to fucking settle a loss in their fucking tournament. Mm -hmm. But, um, like, but that was like, that was good. Like that was good. Um, and 
they've got like a whole bunch of like um they've got a whole bunch of like stable stuff going on um i mean that's one of the big things like they're really known hard for to is always kind of follow too but is always being a stable kind of company um where i mean i mean ever since the mm-hmm. uh, i mean even predating some of the original bullet club type stuff um but then with uh you know finn balor being over there and then aj styles and stuff like they've always had like the stable of gaijins uh and yeah. then having other stables to counter that and all of that <laughs> stuff so it, it ends up being i mean that's one of the ones where um and i don't know if like, yeah, like- even before the like original four horsemen and then kind of the way um, uh, it got adapted and all of that stuff. And I mean, I think it's, that's where like even more so over there, like the stables are um, entrenched as opposed to WWE where, you know, or just North American wrestling where like they stables come and go and just, you know, fall by the wayside as, as writing uh, at the whims of writing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, I haven't seen like the that one match I watched was like pretty, like that dude's just not exciting. And like it's hard, like it's hard to convince someone to sit through that if you start off with a mid card with like no explanation, you are not going to get anybody invested. Mm-hmm. Um, especially just the way that you hear a lot of folks talk about New Japan, um, little let down. But I mean, fucking Okada's hilarious. He's in Yakuza Six. Well, that's why like, I, I watched some of it. Um, um, actually, there's a whole bunch of dudes. I was going to say, I watched some of it over like New Year's, whenever the like the Kenny Omega Chris Jericho match was. Um, that was like, I think, like January 2nd or 3rd or something like that. Um, and I forget mm-hmm. what event that was. Um, but there's some, I think it's like the, the former DirecTV like audience TV channel. And now, since we have AT&T Uverse, like we get that due to the acquisition um and they air new japan on there at certain times i just don't know the schedule um and so it's one where like it's always it's on at random times but then i don't know whether it's going to have english announcers and not Mm -hmm. or i should say it changes back and forth between having english announcers and not um and so whatever that one was where it was uh omega jericho um jr was commenting on that one or commentating um, and then there was somebody else with him to doing, doing English language commentary. Um, I don't know the setup, but it almost sounded like this was pseudo live. Cause it was like, the, it was almost real time from when it was happening. Um, but yes. it almost seemed like they were getting a feed and they weren't in the arena. They were getting a feed doing commentary. And then that was getting repackaged and sent out here. Um, and so that was, like the, the wrestling was good. The, the Jericho uh, Omega match was good. And, and all of the kind of, uh, I would say most of the, um, undercard matches for that, that night were pretty good. Um, but that was some of the most awkward and, uh, tough to swallow commentary that I've ever heard. Jr. uh, kind of spit out of his mouth. Um, which, and I mean, I've, I've looked at some other things and read some other things where it's basically, you know, well beyond prime, uh, type performances um but you know that is that's the english uh, language dubs uh or english language uh, uh voiceovers that that i'm getting or i have access to here for for some of the time so every so often when i when i see it on i'll flick it on and, and watch some of it um but it's not something where like i'm actively getting invested into like i can just have like some wrestling stuff on in the background i pay attention to um but if uh if yeah. shit keeps going south in wwe that will be where i start turning my attention to <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, I that was actually another comment uh, to um, 
it was he was so it was probably uh JR and Matt Stryker. Um the uh commentary for the G one classic, holy crap, is it bad? Like they're there. It was like it's like live commentary. Holy crap, is it bad? Okay. Um my uh, like my roommate what my roommate goes uh <laughs> goes I think th- these announcers are just boring. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like like it, because it's like at least with like they're a little bit more animated and like, you know, when it comes to like the WWE, that's the one thing that I will say is that everyone shits on their announcers for like constantly plugging stuff, but like usually when they let like Michael Cole go like loose or, you know, he's off the mic or whatever, like he's a lot more animated about calling moves and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it could just be because, I mean, if he's, I mean, I was going to say it could be because they're speaking English, but I'm like, well, the English commentary speaking English too. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what to say about it. Like, I'm interested. I'm obviously, I'm like, I'm going to keep checking it out, but like, you know, there's some stuff that needs to be fixed. I mean, real talk, their interface is bad. Like bad, bad, bad. (laughs) Um, and not, not easy to navigate or anything at all. Like you just pick, you pick a video and hope it's what you want to watch. Uh, but I will say if you have not watched that Kenny Omega, uh, uh, Okada match. Okay. From Dominion, that's a dope fucking match. Yeah, I would definitely check that one out. Um, Excellent. It's argue people say it's like arguably, yeah, people say it's arguably one of the best wrestling matches in recent history, and it is. Um, And you don't need a lot of backs. The only backstory that you need to know for it is um, Kenny Omega is trying to prove himself, and Okada is arrogant. That's all you need to know. And like, that's all the bad a little bit going into it. It was great. Like, well, and that, that's what I've really, been told. I mean, overall is that that's really all you need where, as opposed to the WWE where it's mix and match every week and kind of moving people in and out and nobody will really be able to, you know, establish any context with their, with their move sets or anything um, that you can just watch. Mostly <laughs> you can just watch, uh, um, New Japan and be comfortable and, and understand and have context with uh, why those guys are wrestling to begin with. It's not bad. Like it, overall, it's not bad. I'm open to more, but I've noticed like some, some big old problems, but um, so you had mentioned uh, some of the trailers that had come out of Comic-Con. Um, so that's where I, that's where I was last week um, being in San Diego um, for five days of the con starting on Wednesday. Um, I, I don't know if I told you this, but we were lucky enough to get tickets for Conan on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Um, and so we went to, to the taping mm-hmm. of that to, to basically kick off uh, Comic-Con. Oh, nice. And that was the, uh, the cast of Breaking Bad um, that was on there. So that was, that was a kind of a good little nostalgic moment to, to start up um, and, and get back to uh, the all things nerdy during the week. Um and then, I mean, we were able to do pretty much everything we wanted for the for the entire weekend, which was good. Um, we didn't do Hall H uh, this year just based on how uh, 
uh, low key it was. Um, but there are some of the trailers that we'll talk about were, were actually covered in there. Um, but then, uh, I mean, did a bunch of, uh, panels, um, did a, spent a ton of time on the floor. Um, oh, and then, I mean, kind of segueing from our last discussion, I did run into, uh, Xavier Woods, um, as he was, uh, shopping around on the floor. Um, so that was a, a pretty cool, uh, thing to happen. Um, so he was actually checking out the booth for Equilibrium, uh, which is a uh, backpack company. Um, they're Equilibrium USG or Urban Survival Gear. Um, and they're a Chicago-based company, so they, they heavily promote at uh, C2E2. They've got a giant booth at C2E2. Um, they had a, a standard-sized booth at, at San Diego. Um, but they make their all their gear is handmade, and they make modular uh yeah, essentially just modular backpacks and modular uh, packing gear. Um, and so I ordered my backpack from them in March and I should get it in October um, because they, they take orders that far out and all of it's handmade, hand stitched, all that stuff. Um, so when I was walking by, Xavier Woods was there um, talking to them about getting a right sized bag uh, that he needs for his PS4 Pro and four controllers to travel with. Um, so it was, it was interesting to hear uh, what he was talking to them about getting. Um, and so once uh, once he gets his and I get mine, we'll uh, we'll be backpack buddies. That was uh, that was a really dope fo- photo. Uh, <laughs> I like I almost wish you had taken that real time and sent it to me, so I could have been like, "Yo, tell him the shirt's dope." Fucking love that game, and he would have been like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> well, and and I had he's packed a big, uh, a, uh, big. I was just gonna say he's a big Windjammers fan, so. That that shirt's that shirt's fucking awesome. I've actually looked at getting it myself. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, and I I had had or I packed uh my new day shirt and my uh, unicorn horn because we were possibly going to go to the Mattel panel on Wednesday or sorry on Thursday uh, to check it out. But then I wasn't working that night because we went straight there from Conan. Um, and so it was uh I was like just kicking myself for for not wearing that. But it was cool. He was super chill. Um, and then <laughs> I I followed a bunch of the other stuff that he was doing around. Uh, he actually made a bunch of appearances uh, all weekend long. Um, and then him and Becky Lynch were at like one of the Fortnite things uh, or no Rocket League. Sorry, they were at the Rocket League birthday party. Um, and then Becky Lynch did a signing later in the week that had a, a ridiculous uh, line that actually had a lot of good uh, WWE cosplay. Um, there. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, there was an under, there was a dude who had a very good undertaker cosplay. Um, but he had like attached to his belt behind him. Uh, he had the long trench coat on, but I, I saw him when he was like, just trying to mess with his bag, um, on his belt, he had a Bluetooth USB speaker or a Bluetooth speaker, um, that constantly played like the undertaker's belt tolling music. So that was pretty dope. Um, so that whenever he was walking around, <laughs> it was just, you know, him softly strolling around and that was, it was playing. So that was good. Um, uh, a couple of Lucha Libre cosplays. There was a Nikki Bella cosplay. Um, I can't remember some of the other ones, but there were some good ones in that line to, to sign or to, to meet Becky Lynch and she was doing a signing. She was only signing the one poster that, that was there and you had to buy the poster for 20 bucks. So it was a very like ham fisted way of having a signing as opposed to most of the signings where it's like you just come up and they sign something. So that was interesting. Um, I forgot, I forgot what day that was, but it wasn't anything major. I think that that may have been Friday. Um, Saturday we hit most yeah, of the, that's, um, oh, uh, no, I was just going to say that's how, um, all the signings are set up for SuperCon this weekend is that 
they're all like uh, uh, kind of super pricey, uh, super pricey signature only stuff. Um, where you have to, they're usually selling something. Yeah, I mean, most of the so time, I don't know if it's a trend in cons or we'll see where it's like if it's if it's at a signing booth, like you can just pay for the signing and then they'll they'll sign whatever. Um, if it's if they're at a place like you can either. Um, if it's at like a, a third party booth, then you can either buy it um, or have something else signed. But I, I mean, most of, that was the first time I'd seen like you, they're only signing just this thing um, because if you wait in line, you can still get the signature or whatever usually. Um, so, th- so that was new. Um, uh, Saturday, we did all the ballroom 20 stuff, which was most of the, the CW shows. Um, so, uh, I think this was Black Lightning's first year at at San Diego, um, so that was a, a great panel. I was super excited for that to kick off the day Saturday. Uh, it, it went really well. Um, a lot of energy. Um, you can see how how much they believe in the show. Uh, I'm writing up a blog post that will end up going somewhere um, about like why I think that's like one of the best uh, CW shows on right now. Um, it was it was just really uh, heartening to to start the day off that way. Uh, in between there was uh, the Simpsons, um, Family Guy, and American Dad. Um, so I missed some of the Simpsons due to the ridiculousness that was a, a bathroom line um, where the bathroom line was basically as long as the ballroom wrapping around and doubling back to get out. Um, and then you had to wait a shit ton of time to get back in. So I missed most of the, the Simpsons panel. Um but by the time I got back, uh, they were still taking some questions. So I, I believe basically the entire panel was them just taking questions from the the audience. And whoever asked the questions, there was just a box of swag from Matt Groening. And he was just handing stuff out. So it was like a one-off Bart Simpson backpack that they you know never got approval for. So he handed oh. that out. Um, there's like a stuffed animal of like one of the aliens from one of the Christmas specials, they handed that out. Um, and then they had a couple of, or he was drawing some stuff. And then one of the other, I think Dan Silverman was his name. Um, he was up there doing some doodling, uh, over the course of the, the panel and was handing out like, you know, custom one-off, uh, drawings and stuff like that. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, to, and to see kind of what they're doing and what they're talking about and, you know, still 30 years in kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really care about American dad. Uh, family guy was, was okay. And interesting. Um, I just, uh, you know, they, they showed some clips that are coming up for this year, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, and then we, there was the gifted, but I haven't paid attention to the gifted yet. Um, and then the, the CW block. So it was, it was cool there to see kind of like a lot of the similar energy with black lightning coming to Supergirl. Um, and then, you know, legends, um, arrow and, and the flash, but it was, it was very cool to, to kind of see a lot of that and see since that was my first time in that block of panels, since I'm usually in hall H on Saturday, uh, that, that was mm-hmm. pretty fun, but being in that room, for Saturday meant I didn't end up doing anything at Hall H. So I didn't see any of those new trailers or anything in the room, uh, which would have been interesting, but um, I was glad you mentioned that uh, in the chat so that I could catch some of them uh, since it did remind me that there were a couple that I didn't see um, to watch. uh, So we could talk about them here. Yeah. So I actually had, I I watched, I watched the Shazam trailer. Bless you. I watched the Shazam trailer. Um, Was there a teen Titans one too? Uh, so there was that there was kind of two. So you have um, 
you had Titans, which is a new uh, episodic show coming to the DC uh, Universe streaming service. Um, and then you have Young Justice, which is a new uh, DC animated feature length movie. Okay. Okay, yeah. So I saw, I watched Shazam. Um, well, because that one popped up on my Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. And out of all those, I think that was probably actually the most, most important one. Um, this is the lead into Shazam. Um, so I actually watched the, the Justice League movie uh, <laughs> like a couple days ago. Uh-huh. Boy, that movie is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, everything in it, in it, and it pinpointed what I realized is wrong with the, the DC DCU. Um, and it's not that the characters or the actors are wrong. Um, there's no, it, their movies don't feel like comic books. They feel like, they feel like really bad teenage edgy fan fiction. Yep. And like, there's no, even when they add the levity and stuff or, or try to, it doesn't work out well. Um, you know, you, you have characters that have been introduced. Um, you know, you don't get an idea of, I think the, the best part of that movie was the, I think the best part of justice league was the flash. Um, I, I don't, Going back through my on this day stuff on Facebook, I it was coming up for all of the uh, most of the years I was at San Diego, um, with the exception of the one year mm-hmm. that was earlier in the month. Um, and so when they first announced and did the the Justice League panel, um, that was my one comment for that panel was that Ezra Miller was going to steal the show as the Flash, um, coming to, uh, you know the hindsight being 2020 um i still firmly stand behind that where again agreeing with you wholeheartedly <laughs> where you know the best part of the movie is is ezra miller as much as i want to like other aspects of it um it's just there's yeah it's just like it happened like there's like i have no interest in them like succeeding or failing. I have no idea why they're doing certain things um you can tell that there's massive parts of it that were just like cut out like it was way too easy to assemble like all of the mother boxes um and like there's you know it's like a massive part where it's like you feel like there's going to be something big in atlantis and then boof like you're out of there um so it it just felt like it had no pacing um and all of this totally agreed or totally understood um that it was a completely different movie that was released than probably what was written or what was storyboarded mm-hmm. and conceived based on Zack Snyder having to step down um, due to family tragedy and uh, Joss Whedon coming in. Um, and so having to come in and, and do a lot of different pieces there. Um, I, I understand that, but it is, you're still, and you still end up putting something out at the end of the day. Um, and what got released was something that never really quite took off. And I mean, obviously that's what the box office said, but, yeah. Well, so before I, I'm going to go out a, a little bit of a, a tangent here. So uh, watching the Justice League also made me realize something else. I'm not a big fan of Josh Whedon. Um, you know, from 
I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think he's the right spark for what they need for the DCU because I know he's been involved in a couple other things for them too. I feel like, um, he's like, I'm cause yeah, I'm just, I'm just not feeling him. Like I wasn't feeling Zack Snyder either. Let's, you know, be clear. Um, and this is coming from somebody who likes the Watchmen mm-hmm. movie. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, I think they had to just scrap it. They just got to scrap it all and just start again. Well, I, I think it's and an like, issue of they, they didn't want to do the same thing as Marvel and take the time to mm-hmm. build up into the team movie so that people actually gave a shit about the team. So they, <laughs> they didn't want to, they didn't want to be seen as doing it as, um, you know, doing what Marvel did. So like, well, we'll do the opposite. Like we'll, we'll kick it off with a big team movie to then say like, this is why you should care about all of the individual movies. But the problem is like people would already care about the individual movies. Like if you had Jason Momoa Mm -hmm. as Aquaman in a standalone movie, uh, upcoming to this like that's going to be the first feature length you know presence of aquaman they're interested same for the flash they're interested um i mean it felt like you know cyborg got shit all over just because he barely had any like solo stream time um but you have that similar to black panther one of the preeminent you know african-american heroes in that uh, the mythos universe, like you're going to have decent pieces. So, you know, if you, if you stack it right and then you build momentum, that's going to be something that makes a lot more sense as opposed to saying, well, like, let's just cut out all of the, the solo movies and jump straight to lowercase S not capital S there. Um, jump straight to, uh, <laughs> you know, the team movie. I can see why people didn't give a shit because it, there was no build up to it. There's no interest. There's no like levity. Um, into why you care. So, uh, so I mean, it was, you know, I, I really liked man of steel. I, I didn't have any problems with that. Um, then Batman vs Superman had some issues, but overall I still thought it was good. Um, aside from the, the trailers getting wrecked or, or the movie getting spoiled based on how they cut the fucking trailers. Um, and so that's based on one of these other trailers that I'll get into that. Um, but then again, like I just, even after watching Batman for Superman, I still felt like I had some interest in what was going on and kind of the outcome of the movie. Whereas in this one, it was just like, I'm watching two hours of stuff and it's just like, okay, this is happening. I just don't know what I'm supposed to, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. And that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I am a little different on Batman V Superman. Um, I actually think they didn't even need that movie. Um, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, so the reason I bring that up is because I watched that and then I randomly saw the Shazam trailer. Um, I fucking, there are a few superheroes that I absolutely just love the idea and design of one of them being my boy, Billy Batson. Mm-hmm. Right. I just love the idea of a kid being a superhero and now I don't know if you've ever watched any of the animated uh, DC movies that they've put out. Um, those are actually really fucking good. Um, and of course, Shazam has one, or you know, Captain Marvel. <laughs> I don't. I swear to God, I have to really, I have to be like a reincarnated like old person from like the twenties because, or from the forties or whatever, or somewhere 
somewhere before I was actually born because I always refer to Shazam as Captain Marvel. Same here. That's what like I I <laughs> that's what I've always done. And I'm like, okay, it's like Captain Marvel and Black Adam, and they're like, no, Shazam. I'm like, I don't care. And so it it just ends up being the same thing. <laughs> we got sued. You can't say it. Um but yeah, so you know, I love Billy Batson. Um, you know, I like the ideas behind the uh the Green Lantern. Um I love actually it's what I want to see is I want to see a, a Lantern Corps movie done properly. Yep. Uh, you know, I like the Flash and that kind of stuff. Like I'm not like, you know, I'm not in, in like with these characters or anything, but I love the idea and the concepts that they're fun to play they're fun to play around with. Um but I'm tentatively tentatively excited for the Shazam movie because it doesn't look terrible, but fuck anybody from Warner brothers from manages the DCU make your fucking movie look like a goddamn comic book for fuck's sake. I understand you're trying to differentiate yourself from Marvel then do you what fucking Warren Beatty did with goddamn Dick Tracy and oversaturate your fucking colors? Because so did you or did you not watch the Titans trailer? <laughs> I, I I didn't see. I did not. Okay. So my main problem with that and my main problem with very similar to the most of the, the DC movies to date is, with the exception of Wonder Woman, um, is it's okay to invest in stage lighting. Um you you can have it so your actors can be seen on screen so that it basically isn't if you wanted to watch it you don't need the brightness on any viewing device up to 100% contrast you know all the way down and then uh sitting in a closed room with a hood over your you and whatever screen you're looking at cuz it's ridiculous like how dark just you know dark pitch black everything that they do to make these mm-hmm. movies because that was the majority of um the titans trailer is it's at night in you know lightless back alleys all of that shit where just like you can't see anything and you you can make a dark and disturbing movie but your audience can still see the fucking film and so that's my problem with most of it is where th- yes. they're trying to go too dark and you 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 just don't care because there's trying to be super gritty, super real where mm-hmm. that's fine. But you still have a guy jumping around in a bat suit. So it's like, there's still some, some levity to it. Um, so, you know, make it flashy, bring out the colors, make it, you know, distance itself from something where mm-hmm. all it is, is, you know, a, uh, you know, a great depression era, black and white film, because that's most of what they end up starting yeah. to look like. Yeah, I'm I'm watching the Titans trailer right now, and I see what you mean. Um, so there are a couple of things. So we're gonna go on a rant here. Um, we're gonna use a little bit of my uh, acting background, air quotes. Uh, so stylistically, they want their movies to look. So my overall my overall arcing comment for those movies is part of the reason the movies don't do well is they stylistically don't differentiate themselves from each other Mm -hmm. or from the overall thing which is fine because it's 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 fine in theory because you want to show that they're in the same universe however the director of uh, the fucking uh, director of photography should be kicked in the fucking not being like there's no there's no accurate light design they all look like fucking all those movies look like like 
PS2 and Xbox One era shooters. Like, I don't know if you like were super into like uh, shooters, but they were all like gray and muddy from like 2008 to like now. Um, all just gray and muddy. And that's what all of their movies look like. The thing is, is that each movie should be catered specifically to whatever the character is there. Yes, with Batman, you obviously Batman thrives in the night. Superman does not. There's no reason for Man of Steel to be as as dark and brooding as dark as uh, brooding as Man of Steel was. And the same thing for, um, you know, are, there are so many. The thing is, it's like there are so many missed opportunities artistically within those movies that it's just it, like subconsciously communicate. Right now, imagine you're watching you're watching um, you're watching uh, Batman v Superman. And not even the story stuff or anything, um, you know, talking about that. But every scene that's centered on Batman is dark and brooding and uses oversaturated, uh, bright colors that way to contrast against the black in the scene to add depth to the field of vision. And that versus every time you're with, every time you have a scene that's focused on Superman, that it's basically done the polar opposite of that. Right. So basically you're saying you're showing your viewer with a visual cue that these two characters are the opposites of each other because they fucking are. Superman uses Superman's not known for being smart. Like if you were to give Superman an IQ test from one to ten and he was taking it honestly, he'd be like a six and a half, five being average. Mm -hmm. If you were to give Batman the same test from one to ten, ten being fucking, you know, genius level, Batman's probably at nine and a half, ten. Right. Like Batman's really fucking smart and they solve their problems differently. Right. So you could have all these opportunities for visual cues. And it's what pisses me the fuck off about the it's the thing. Like, I want to love the Shazam trailer and I love the idea of Billy Batson. I fucking love Shazam. I love that they've got his little his little handy capable friend. Like the thing is, is that you're making a movie about a kid being a superhero. Why the fuck does it look like it was shot in the back alley of fucking Detroit through a goddamn cardboard box? Mm -hmm. Like, that's like it's what you were saying. It's like there's so much there. There are so many opportunities to. There are so many opportunities that got missed in the basic artistry of the filmmaking that it becomes really frustrating. Like people, and this is the thing too. It's that like I don't understand how this is a hard concept. I'm an I'm a moron who has a rudimentary knowledge of how films get put together, and I can understand that. Right? People will go see things that are visually stimulating if the movie's not that good. Hashtag fucking Avatar. Yep. <laughs> I fucking saw Avatar three times because it was visually stimulating. Now, if you ask me in that movie, I'm like, I don't know. The blue dude, the 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 dude in the wheelchair becomes a blue dude, and then hair fucks with a pterodactyl thing, and then fucks the blue chick. Like, I don't know. And then and then army guy comes in with a clippy claw machine and starts tearing up the trees. And Sigourney Reaver is still hot as ever in that movie. But the, like, um, like that's all I remember of Avatar. <laughs> Um, but that movie was visually stimulating and visually pleasing. I don't understand. Like, obviously, Warner Brothers in the for the DCU have gotten some overall weak writers putting together their stories, and they it it shows that they have no plan. From Suicide Squad, 
uh, Batman versus Superman. I mean, dude, even the casting in those movies. I mean, I think uh, what Man of Steel isn't that bad. But even there are some super questionable choices in Man of Steel. Like, I love Christopher Maloney. I would never put him in a fucking major <laughs> movie role like he was in Man of Steel. I fucking love, dude, I fucking love that dude. And like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is not the dude for this. Because like, the thing is, it's like, because he was like a, a general or something in that. And like, it felt like he was just playing the role instead of actually living it because it's the kind of, just the kind of character, that's the kind of actor Christopher Maloney is. Like, you know, just casting is wrong all over the place. There's no artistry to it. And like, it upsets me because like, they have movies that are just like, that could be okay, that should be so much better. Like, you know, like, and I, like, I love the fact they went with the right direction for the Shazam's costume. Now, if that was actually part of the Zack Snyder DCU, that that would be that costume he have would be totally muted, and like Billy Billy uh, Batson would get his powers like fighting off serial child predators, um, because that's how Zack Snyder operates, um, because he takes everything you know he takes all the grime and pushes it to eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Spinal Tap quote: <laughs> "The eleven's just there for <laughs> for us." <laughs> um, but that's like, I want to like it. I, you get a, it, it does a good job of it. Um, and I just hope the movie is something visually different than what they've put forth so far. Um, you know, it, it just like, I mean, if you think about the Marvel movies, is that yes, they're all, they're visually different enough from each other. You know, and they could be a little bit more visually different from each other, to be honest. But the movies feel dynamic enough, which is why people enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, that's DC's biggest biggest issue. Um, God, I should actually finish watching this this Titans trailer. I'm at a minute twenty one, and this does not feel like the spirit of the Teen Titans. Exactly, that was my that was my feeling right away. Like everybody was talking about it there. Um, and then I had some other friends talking about it on Facebook. And then, so I don't think I ended up getting around to watching it till like Friday night, maybe Saturday in line. Um, and it was just one where it was like, this just feels like a completely ham fisted way of doing it. Like it, it can feels it. I mean, what it feels like is when the last time or the last couple of times I was in Australia for work, we went to, one of the um essentially the the queen street uh farmers market um mm-hmm. or I, I forget exactly which one it is but it, it's a big outdoor open air uh, farmers market um obviously being over there they have a lot of um the knockoff uh things and so you have a pack of um you know action figures that is called justice force um and it has <laughs> uh a superman a guy that looks that is essentially Superman, but without the S on his chest, um, a Ninja turtle, uh, Mickey mouse (laughs) and Ronald McDonald. And so it's like, those guys are in like the pack as like a four pack of superheroes. And so like, to me, that's what this felt like as opposed to what I would expect an actual Titans movie to look like. Um, 
there was, I want to say probably close to 10 years ago, um, there was a fan film uh, trailer made called Grayson um, that uh, covered uh, the character of Dick Grayson as Nightwing and, and some of that stuff. To me, that had that was a more authentic representation and I'd have to go check it out to see if it's still there. Um, but a, a higher quality uh, production um, than what I'm expecting out of Titans. Like, I mean, I, they're, they're kind of one of the flagship titles for the streaming service, especially making the streaming service targeted for adults um, and not just pure animated oh. content. Um and they were they were pushing some of the the signups and um, a lot of like exclusive content. If you signed up at the DC booth this weekend, um, I just don't have high hopes for it at all. No, no, I. And like this is a thing too. It's like I don't like I don't like shitting on movies. Believe it or not, um, I like being able to make fun of a movie to point out like silly little flaws that amused me. Right? I don't like. You know, like the fact that uh, in Sully, there was like no minorities, um, <laughs> which <laughs> I guess it just shows that if you're you're uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, your target audience is probably all over 65. So they can either handle a whole bunch of minorities in a movie or a plane crash. They obviously can't handle both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's funny to me, but <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, like I don't like shitting on these DC movies. I dude, I would fucking love like for these DC movies to be baller because I get them on fucking HBO. Like, right. Like I'd love to sit down and be like, oh man, I, you know, it's like, oh shit, there's a new DC movie out. Oh, that finally hit HBO. I'll sit down and watch it. Like, you know, I, they have such interesting characters and stuff they can build with. And like, I mean, there are so many interesting things just with heroes like Barry Allen. Um, to fucking, if you do a Latin corpse movie, right, you could do a whole fucking movie about guy Gardner's descent into the red descent into the red lantern core. Yep. Like that's fucking awesome. I mean, like, they have excellent stories. I think they just end up burying them based off of having yep. this desire to make them so stylized that it's actually like an anti-style and what is going to drive people away mm-hmm. from them. Yeah. Like as someone who sat down and read all of Civil War uh, versus something like Flashpoint. One of those felt real, and the other one felt kind of ham-fisted. And spoiler alert, it, it was Flashpoint that felt real. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like because the stakes, the stakes were legit for Civil War. It was just like whatever. Like it, like, it felt like Civil Namor's War cousin died. <laughs> yeah, like Civil War felt contrived, whereas Flashpoint felt organic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the comic book civil war i wish that was just the fucking civil war movie that we got was just you get namor going my cousin <laughs> and that's it <laughs> an hour and a half of that um and then it's just you see a tuna fish can pop up and that's where he is after that yeah yeah pretty much um but yeah like i just you know I think we are getting to the point where there's like fatigue of the comic book movies anyway, but like, 
you know, I mean, you're going to need story effectively been putting out this. You need story, you need relevance, you need, uh, you need social relevance to this stuff as opposed to just big glitz and glamor. And just because like the name of the characters aren't going to take it very far now, like you, you need to push the envelope in some way. It needs to be thought provoking as opposed to just seeing these guys, because we, this year we're celebrating the 10th year of the Marvel MCU. So pretty much anything that you've expected, like a superhero to be able to do on film, we've seen it in some way or another. Um, So like, you're going to need to figure out how to do that a little bit better as opposed to just going like, Oh, we've got these characters here. Come watch. Like, no, it's like, I need a reason to watch. Yep. I mean, the simple fact that I think what would have been fantastic for them to do um, is I think they should have started their Marvel universe, their DC universe with flashpoint. Really simple. Right. It introduces two things. A, it gets it off of an a, a mainstream. Flash is basically the equivalent of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like, had a couple good stories. Um, and, like, it, probably a little bit more prominent and a little easier to get into, especially playing off of the TV show that was actually doing really well at the time. Yeah. So, you start off with Flashpoint. That's real fucking simple. Barry Allen goes back in time to save his mother from being murdered by the reverse flash. He does it fucking that's like the perfect end to act one is he does it and comes back and the whole world's fucked. And then he goes from that and fucking you, that way you can introduce you introduce uh, Thomas Wayne's Batman. And it lets you take care of your fucking Joker problem on top of it Mm -hmm. because you know, it lets you take care of your Batman problem, your Joker problem, because it basically lets you it starts off with a fresh slate when he comes back and fixes everything. Spoiler alert, because he's he does. Um and, and that's what you do. And like that's how they could have started yeah. that. That way there would have been no fussing about the recasting of Batman, because technically it's in a different fucking universe. You don't have to worry about another actor playing um after Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, you know, it, it would have given them a must fresh start, start with something for the contrast of, because Barry Allen's thing is the flashiest thing is hope, right? Um, he is solidly a blue lantern through and through. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's like his, that's his whole thing. And it would have been a fantastic way to set up your universe and like, but no, you fucking went Superman. I, I, I don't like Superman. I'm sorry. I, I'm just going to say it. I don't. Well, it just it, again, it ends up being something where it, it becomes uninteresting when the only time, the only thing you're doing is is consistently showing off what he can do over and over again, and yep. you have no surrounding story. Like it's not Superman that's the interesting part; it's his connection with people. It's you know what it, the in and out and daily working of him with Lois, the connection he has with his parents. I mean, there's a reason why you know death and rebirth of Superman was such a powerful story was because of you know, the, the people close to him that he was constantly trying to protect and, and fearful of losing day in and day out. Like they lost him instead. So how, uh, you know, how does Lois keep going? How do his parents fare fare? Um, and then, you know, coming back and, and working through all of that. So, I mean, it's a much different story there as opposed to you just keep throwing, you know, the big blue boy scout on screen and, you could you can only do so much before it's like okay like i don't care anymore because he just he's again 
similar in your mind, he's the Braun Strowman of comic books where it's just consistently plowing <laughs> through people and it becomes uninteresting because it's an unstoppable force and that's totally uninteresting. Yeah. Like th- that Titans trailer shows everything. They like, they don't understand what makes a successful movie, mm-hmm. which baffles like all they need. Like, it's just one person who kind of knows what they're doing. You don't have to increase the budget. You, they, like they should just have a hard, they need to be doing like a so, low key. They need to be doing like a soft reboot of their universe because it, there's so many issues with it. And I don't understand why they won't fix them. That Titans trailer that I just watched showcases everything that is wrong with the DCU. Yep. I'd agree. Like, like, I don't, you know, yes, you can bend your care. Like, look, I'm not a fucking like purist. That's like, you need the origin story needs to be this or, or, or that. When the teen Titans go cartoon gives you a better idea what the teen Titans are supposed to be like. than your fucking big blockbuster show. Then the flagship trailer. You have it. You have an issue. You have a huge issue. Like. There's a lot more depth, like, I think even, I think, because Young Justice follows a, a group of the Titans, too, doesn't it? Uh, it's, yeah, a handful of other ones where it's the yeah. different characters altogether, but it, it's kind of a, you know, a spinoff of Titans mashed up with Justice League. Yeah, yeah, because I know Aqualad's in Young Justice. Yeah. Um, And then you have Wally West, Wally West Flash. Mm-hmm. Um. Cause I think I watched seasons one and two of that, but like, you know, I wish they would just get their stuff together. Um, was there, was there another, tra- was there like, I think there were only like three big trailers. There was Shazam Titans. And there was another one. Uh, I mean, there was Aquaman Shazam, fantastic beasts, uh, glass Godzilla and Titans were the big ones that I had on my list. All right. Let me check out that Titan the not the titans the aquaman trailer um in the <laughs> i was gonna say have you watched any cloak and dagger uh we're we're two episodes in we did go to that panel friday night um and so we're two episodes in and i'm i'm happy with it so far yeah i um yeah so i'm caught up because i've been watching it i've been watching it uh up to date um that's when we play no spoilers right this weekend so that's where we'll yeah. hopefully get caught up after that okay yeah i like i don't know how to feel about it yet i've watched i've watched all of it i don't know how to feel so. yeah we can we can um, talk about that one next time we yeah. record yeah um okay, let me watch this aquaman trailer uh, yeah i am definitely on the fence about jason momoa i i don't have a problem i think i don't know when this is going to be set um as far as timing based on this, I think it's just based on how much Hera is in it. I would imagine this is supposed to be set before justice league. Um, I haven't really paid that much attention to any of the, uh, where it's all coming together at, um, just based off of how much of the, like how little we saw that stuff in, um, Mm. in justice league. But there's parts of him in justice league early on that I think he nails the character as being, you know, standoffish and outsider. Um, whereas in this one, I, he's too friendly. 
um i think uh at least he, just... yeah, i was gonna say he's he he's john cena's version of aquaman yeah i, I mean he ends up being something <laughs> where he, he's overly charismatic um and um I mean, as far as between the two underwater superheroes, Namor is an asshole, um, but Aquaman is still <laughs> more standoffish and misunderstood. Um, and so that's where it, this just seems like he's a little like by the end of Justice League, he has like this whole like character 180 where uh, he's super standoffish in the beginning and then he's super gung ho at the end. Um I mean, there were a couple of good bits, you know, where he like sits on Wonder Woman's lasso and starts like opening up and stuff like that. But um, they're still, I don't know, like I, I'm not super against it. Like I, I can see them going that way with the character. Um, so I, I, I will see this. I don't know if I'll see it like ASAP. Um, but uh, the, I mean, some of it looks okay. And then some of it just looks meh. Um, but it's for me, I, I just don't know how to feel about it. And I think that's, unfortunately perpetuating most of the other ones until we see something else that's i'm hoping it blows me away because again similarly there at least this one feels like it's a little bit more entrenching than the conflict in justice league um where like Mm -hmm. the conflict with steppenwolf just felt it felt like the only reason i cared about that was because they were in this movie like it seems at least like if if justice league as a movie never existed, like we wouldn't know about Steppenwolf. Um, whereas in this movie, it, this yeah. is, this is a, a storyline that's more central to the character of Aquaman. And like, this seems more organic. Um, so like, I, I think that that in the long run will end up doing a little bit better for that. Yeah. Like I, um, yeah, I, I can see that. I've honestly, I've never really been a fan of Aquaman. Um, I don't think many people can say they have, yeah, I don't think anybody's like, oh, I like Aquaman. I mean, he's okay, but like, I'm not like, you know, out of the Justice League. I think he honestly would be the last one to get a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I want him to be good because I want something different than the Marvel movies. If I have to get dragged to the theater, um. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna go back to watching indie movies where all they do is smoke cigarettes and complain about life. Yeah. Manic they're full of manic pixie dream girls. And uh Yeah, like I just yeah, I, I want them different. I wanted to I wanna see him get it get it together and I want the movies to be good. Um and they don't that's another thing with with DC's movies is that you never care about the villains. Yep. They're, they're so they throwaway. Never, yeah. I think when, I think Michael Shannon Zod was the best villain they've had so far. And all those, which is nuts considering going from Christopher Nolan's Batman movies where all the villains were like super fucking good. Like, Raz al Ghul was fucking fantastic. Yep. Yeah, Heath Ledger was good. Uh, Tom Hardy's bad was wasn't too bad, especially with the the daughter of Raz al Ghul or whatever. Yeah, Italian. Um, like spoil spoilers. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like like those villains are really good, and then you go into these, and you just don't care about it. Like you just don't care about them. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, they ruined they fucking ruined Lex Luthor. Yep. 
It just like, they they made them so episodic, and they kind of beat them down to I don't know like a, a certain level that's just lower than the you, you feel you, there's no tension in the movie because you have no you have no doubt that they're going to come out on top because of how weak they make the villains. Yeah, and honestly, I think Jesse Eisenberg is a fine casting. I'm the probably the only one that can, agrees on this. Um, but I believe Jesse Eisenberg was a fine casting choice for Lex Luthor because he's a good actor. And it was playing really against type for them. So because, yes, in the comics or whatever, Lex Luthor is kind of built, but he's known for his intellect. Like, he's low-key kind of like power-hungry evil Batman. And, like, that's kind of the difference. I mean, how do you... How, like, all of Superman's storylines revolve around, like, stopping Lex Luthor. How could anyone even believe that in three years or how many movies from now, like, Lex Luthor will be able to run for president in their universe? Like... There's so much of that where there's just there's just nothing there's just you know it, it's not believable. That's the equivalent of like well I was gonna say the Joker, but we'll see how they handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fucking Suicide Squad, Jesus Christ. But um, so yeah, the, the whole the, going yeah. on moving on into something um for the one of the other trailers. Um, have you watched the Godzilla trailer? No, I haven't. Okay, go ahead and watch that one. Yes. I was trying to figure out which ones were which, and then today was just... In, I was going to do it at work today. Holy crap. Today was nuts. All right, we've got some sound. That's right. Aren't they trying to do a universe with these monsters, too? Yeah, this is the trailer for... Godzilla King of the Monsters that is essentially a soft backdoor pilot to use like a TV term but basically this is how they're they're kicking off the Universal Monsters uh uh cinematic universe and they're trying to start up the their DCU and then I think Universal's trying to do that whole thing too with the uh, like with that Tom Cruise mummy movie mm-hmm. was supposed to be like the start of that. Yeah. yeah. So oh my God. answer me one question. Do you know or do you understand or do you have an idea of what the fuck is supposed to be happening in that movie? <laughs> I've watched it. I've watched the trailer three times. Like this is one one time where I want them to tell me more because I have no idea like why the movie is even happening. So, I, okay. So, Warner Brothers needs to do two things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer your question. I swear. Um, Warner Brothers needs to do two things. A, they need to fire everyone that's in the charge of accepting pitches, and B, they need to fire whoever their edit, whoever edits their movie trailers. The editor, those editors need to be fired, uh, because there's the big issue with this is that. You see the majority of the world destroyed. Once again, you 
those aren't stakes. That's just as that's starting off. That's like when if you show something like that happened, that's the thing you don't show in the trailer that you know is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're trying to stop it. Well, obviously, you can tell they didn't fucking succeed because the world's on fucking fire. Yep. Like, what's the what's the point of that? There's no tension. There's no stakes. Like, you're going to sit there going to that movie. You're going through this trailer and you're like, so it's going to be one of those things where the good guys barely win. Who cares? Like first of all i don't think i've i've got an issue of a monster universe like that anyway um because i don't think i don't think those monsters are captivating enough for a modern day audience i like godzilla i i'm Um, fine with godzilla too and i like godzilla too but i like i don't understand where like again he's only in there for like that last clip and like i don't understand the reasoning behind him being in there like are they saying he is he's the one that they're going to need to back to fight the other titans or is he one of the titans or like do they have to kill the titans to stay on earth or is like earth now trying to kill everybody and then in doing so it's going to release the titans i just have no idea what's going on so i have no idea why i need to care there's army guys and hell and, and airplanes and jet fight like who as i said whoever needs to whoever cut this trailer needs to be fucking fired because like either so that either shows that that movie is going to be so piss poor that that's the trailer like or there's there's incompetence somewhere and i believe that's a good way to sum up all of warner brothers current ventures right now is incompetence (laughs) oh wholeheartedly (laughs) (laughs) I just knocked a shelf out of my desk. Whoops. That's how outraged you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I accidentally nudged it. Um, and it just fucking tumbled down like Warner Brothers stocks every time they release a movie trailer. Hey, yo. Um, I, 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 I am absolutely flummoxed that watching the Aquaman, tra- watching all of those trailers back to back, Aquaman, Titans. Um, and then Godzilla. Oh my God! What in the what in the world are they like? It's like they're so desperate for a big hit. They're just saying anything to anybody that'll listen and hoping something'll stick. There's no stakes. I don't care. Like, who does honestly Loki like? That's like an, this that movie looks like it. It's going to be an origin story for fucking Godzilla and those Titans. Well, I mean, that's Who? what a handful of years ago. I mean, it was like 2015, maybe. I mean, whenever the the last Godzilla came out, I mean, that was like the the big modern day reboot for Godzilla, um, and that was supposed to be him there. Um, and so, I mean, so this is the the sequel into that. Um, but it's it's one where. Again, I don't know, is it worth it or not? Like, it, it seems like it's something that doesn't even make sense. No, it, it doesn't. It's, it, <laughs> I was gonna say it's nonsensical. Like, God, oh my God. I, I, I've just never seen such just scatterbrained desperation by a professional company that makes movies before like this in my life. Like 
you know, I, 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 uh, to answer your question, I don't think it's going to be worth it. Um, because I guarantee the majority that I guarantee they're going to blow their CGI budget all in the last 15 minutes of the movie uh-huh. for the, at, you know, for the fucking, uh, ending resolution. Um, no one like no one goes to a movie about Godzilla and the other creatures that Godzilla often fights to save Tokyo. No one goes to a movie to see like, Oh, this is why they, nobody cares. Like do people just want to see him fight? They just want to see monsters fight. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the civilians. They don't care about the damage. Like you have to make it like making God's like making that a global threat is like totally an issue because we haven't seen, we've seen as people, we have seen cities devastated. We have seen towns, we've seen parts of countries absolutely devastated by, by destruction. We haven't seen global devastation. So like whenever you see global devastation in a movie, it's kind of, it's not grounded. You, it doesn't feel grounded in reality. So like, you know, and it's kind of a lame thing to go to. It's like, well, let's raise the stakes. I don't know why I'm doing a really bad Sylvester Stallone there. Let's raise the stakes. You got to raise them. <laughs> um, like it, it, there's just nothing. There's just like, it, it's like cheap, cheap stake raising. Yep. Like, it, I mean, cheap plot the devices. Thing. I mean, that's all it is. Yeah. 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 And, and like, you know, the thing with like those other movies and stuff, it's like they have to stop them in Tokyo or else the world's going to be destroyed. Right. Like that has to be addressed there or else there are going to be consequences across the globe. Not, oh, well, the consequences already across the globe. If the bad guys win, what's next? Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. Again, <laughs> like there's no next step. Like, I don't care. And that's a that's a fundamental Tory Tory story, Jesus storytelling issue. Um, I just can't believe that's nuts. Like watching all those trailers back to back, I literally was. Just, I'm imagining all those movies are coming out later, um, next or next year. Uh, I think some of them later this year, early next year. Okay, um, not gonna go see them. I don't know how any of those movies are gonna. Do we have a Star Wars coming out this year? Uh, no, the next Star Wars is uh, Episode Nine, um, and I believe that they ended up uh, putting uh, the other ones on hold based on Solo. So yep. there was a Boba Fett one um, that was in production or in pre-production, um, and I think there was another one too. Um, Obi Wan. Yeah, maybe an Obi Wan one, but then they ended up uh, um, putting them on hold. So, I'm trying to think holiday movie season. I don't know. Maybe this might be in the. All I gotta say is that when I look at your movies and say whatever Elvin and the Chipmunk garbage that's coming out with Jason Lee is gonna have this year, it's probably gonna like top the fucking box office against your movies. Warner Brothers, come on. Like, you're going to lose in the second week of the holiday season to fucking Elvin and the Chipmunk at Chipmunks do Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> whatever. Exactly. Like, whatever. like it, it's those movies are just, they don't seem very interesting 
or very good and there's just like no stakes even with the even with the Shazam trailer right it didn't feel like there were any stakes they had some good footage and like they did a little bit of character work and then we're like okay well we did our job in a trailer you introduce you do a little bit of character work you have a little bit of excitement and you introduce the stakes so the audience can go oh shit what's gonna happen next even the bad trailers from the fucking 80s movies had that yep I mean, if you go like fuck the trailer for Terminator is not great. Introduces the fucking main, you know, introduces little fucking character work of the fucking Terminator. Tells you the fucking stakes that John Con- or fucking Sarah Connor is gonna get capped, but like it doesn't like. And there's a little bit of a fucking excitement in it. That's all you need in fucking trailers. That's all a trailer is supposed to be. Like it gets you hyped. I I am so indifferent to any of those, and the fact that I like Shazam. It's like that's an issue. Like that's an issue. Um, and, and the fact that I'm okay with Godzilla. If you could get me, I mean, for fuck's sake, this movie didn't have, doesn't have Matthew Broderick in it, so it's like a step up. Like, I, I am making some deep cuts today. So, I mean, um, there's a. I mean, it, I don't think it has the wallflowers in the soundtrack either. So you know that that's another one. <laughs> yeah, like, um, like I just. I just don't get I just don't get what they're doing and I really wish that like God I, it makes me feel like I could be doing their job and I should never go like I should never be in a like in a position to be like why don't we just do this shit ourselves why don't we get a Kickstarter together or a GoFundMe that's like you know let's buy the rights back to the DCU and just make our own fucking movies that are actually decent it's stylistically, I mean, it's like they're almost at the point where they're going to have to stylistically start taking different radical changes and chances for their films to be successful. And we're almost at that point. Like, you know, I don't want to, obviously, I don't want to see Disney buy them. Yeah. But like, yeah, <laughs> fucking buying everything. Please listen carefully. Yeah.